This is Ron Moss from the heart. You know, there are certain movies that I will sometimes go back and watch, particularly if it's on network TV. I just kind of, you know, like to, I don't know, maybe get that feeling again or remind me to to have this compassion for people and never lose it. And, and I guess I'm a softy at heart that there are certain movies that will, you know, bring me to tears. You know, I won't, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Uh, and I really, as I've gotten older, I'm probably more grateful for being more sensitive than probably I ever have been in my life uh, because it allows me to have a certain kind of compassion for everybody, you know, not just a certain group of people. It allows me to care for everybody, not just a certain group of people. And so the other day, uh, one of my probably favorite movies with uh, Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks is the movie Philadelphia. The movie Philadelphia uh, is about Tom Hanks, who is an attorney who is gay and is fired because he believes that his partners or the people that he worked for found out that he was gay and subsequently had him fired. Uh, Denzel Washington's character is also an attorney and takes on the case uh, of Tom Hanks' case. And it made me, or whenever I watch it, you know, there are several things that come to my mind when I watch this movie because I think about the era of HIV and AIDS and and think about how it, it came on the scene and, and how people kind of lined up on one side. You had the religious community that condemned, you know, homosexuals or, or the disease. You had people who were heterosexual who condemned people who were gay. And you had this community of people uh, that had all, always tried to be accepted in, in this community or in this world. And, and now this gay disease that it was called had hit America in such a way that, you know, it would appear that it was a pandemic. <laughs> I guess I can say that it, here was an AIDS pandemic, uh, an HIV AIDS pandemic. And, 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 and here it was, you know, for me and my family, you know, my twin brother found out uh, that he had AIDS. And it wasn't one of those situations with my family that, you know, my brother agonized for months or agonized for a year or agonized. It was a boom, boom, boom. You know, my brother was diagnosed, uh, I think it was December 28, um, uh, 1996, and then died in the first week of, if I'm not mistaken, the first week of January 1997. Uh, so... My brother was at work, he got sick or he got delusional, didn't know where he was. Uh, a week or two later, <clears throat> they ran a test on him and found out that he had full-blown AIDS and it was going to his brain tissue and it was eating his brain tissue away, which uh, he subsequently died. Now, 
it, me watching this movie, Philadelphia, does a few things to me and for me. It it shows the compassion of an attorney, Denzel Washington character, on how he felt towards gays and homosexuals uh, at the beginning of the movie. Uh, he didn't care for him. There's a scene in the movie where him and his wife are having a conversation and he's explaining to his wife why he don't like gay people. And and as the movie goes on, he takes on the case and accepts his lifestyle, Tom Hanks' character, uh, even goes to a particular party that they have. And as the movie continued to play on, he accepts Tom Hanks and his family as just normal people like we all really are at the end of the day. So why is it, Ron, that you watch this movie? And why is it that I know your, you know, my initial tie in is because it's about the story of a gay lawyer who uh, has to take some people that he worked for to court. That That's kind of initial. But at the core of me watching it is the compassion of someone who hated a group of people. He didn't know Tom Hanks or he didn't know Tom Hanks' character. This lawyer didn't. He just hated gay people. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because here we are now, you know, uh, umpteen years later from that movie. Here we are now Upteen years later, where laws have been changed uh, that accept the lifestyle of homosexuals. Upteen years later, here we are now, where families have accepted their gay son, their gay daughter, their gay cousin. Upteen years later, we are living in an era where homosexuality, I can say, has almost become the norm. Now, let's make sure we understand whether you believe that it's right or wrong from a spiritual perspective. That's up to you. Whether or not you believe that it's right or wrong from a spiritual perspective, ultimately, again, as we go to judging, that's going to be God's call. You know, what we do on earth, ultimately, the sins that we do, the hurt and harm that we cause, we will ultimately pay the price. The ultimate price we'll pay has to do with our salvation. And only one individual knows that story, and that's God. My job has always, and I've said this a hundred times, is try to love everybody. Now, again, why am I bringing this up? Why did the movie, why does the movie do this to me now? And what, what's significant now? What's significant now is we are still living through a pandemic. It's not HIV and AIDS. Matter of fact, if you if you think about it, that conversation really doesn't come up anymore because there's been so many positive drugs and positive remedies to HIV that is almost a non-discussion now. Uh, 
that they've come up with treatments that allow people who are HIV positive to live longer and healthier and prosperous lives, lifestyles. Uh, that the disease or the virus has has now, you know, uh, is now being treated more so than it's not really in a conversation anymore. But we have another pandemic that we're dealing with. And it's called COVID and the variances of COVID. Now, again, here's another situation where we have people that we hate that take the virus or that take the vaccine. We have people that we hate that don't take the vaccine. And then we'll have people that we hate that come up with conspiracy theories on why they don't take the vaccine. So here we are in the midst of another discussion about a group of people that we can potentially hate because of decisions that they make. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, how do one function in a society, in a world where the overlying message that we usually deal with daily is that we have come to terms with it being okay to hate people, period. Because once you decide that you're going to hate a group of people, you don't really care what happens to them, right? Once you can kind of block out a group of people, you don't really care too much about them anymore, right? Now, I was just as upset the other day when I heard about the police officers who were killed in New York City. I have said this a hundred times, and I'll continue to say it in front of anybody, that I believe, and I'll say this across the country, that 95% of police officers are decent human beings who want to serve and protect their communities, their state, their country. There's 5% that may have other agendas. They may be racist. They may belong to a certain militant group. We don't know, but we still have to continue to function regardless. And until you're able to weed out the bad and stay with the good, then potentially what happens is when you have one bad apple or two bad apples, or three bad apples, it really messes it up for the 95% of the other good apples because the focus is now on the bad and not the good. So it's hard to have compassion because on one hand, and I'm talking about 
the, the folk out there who have lost a loved one because of police brutality or lost a loved one because of misidentification and it cost that person his life, a person who has lost a loved one because they went to the wrong house or they decided that this person's life didn't mean anything and they shot the person 15, 20 times or they didn't believe the person was telling the truth. You know, and then subsequently the city was sued or or it was a it was a botch raid. Uh, the city was sued, uh, uh, the community, the police department, uh, which means if the police departments get sued, the city gets sued. So how many out of court settlements or how many seal settlements have taken place because of that five percent? So I want to be clear when I talk about why do we hate each other? You know, it's all over the place. And once you have your mind made up, you know, and, 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 that's, and, and matter of fact, let me reverse it for a minute. Let's say hypothetically, matter of fact, this is, I, I believe this truth too. I believe that 95% of African Americans love all people of color, white, Hispanic, Korean, uh, 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 German, 95% do. And I believe that there's some five percenters out there that hate police, that hate Asians, that hate Germans, that hate gays, that hate uh, anybody that don't fit into their criteria of acceptance. I believe that 95% of white people love everybody. But, but it's that 5% that are part of militant groups, that are part of neo-Nazis, that are part of people that have made up their mind that they're, are, they're superior and they don't have to accept anybody that's non-white. That 5%, that's those 5 percenters. And so how is it, I'll, I'll throw this out there again, how do we get rid of hate? And I guess I can just kind of throw this in too, how do we get rid of misinformation? Let's just say hypothetically, I'm an avid Fox News watcher. And I'm an avid CNN watcher. And I'm an avid right-wing radio talk listener. And I'm a a, a, a normal left-wing radio talk listener. And if one doesn't draw on their own facts and they continue to listen to the right and the left but don't have a true opinion because of their own research, then you kind of line up with a group of folk and what they say, right? And you kind of draw your conclusion on what you hear, not what you know. And that's everybody. That, 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 that <laughs> ignorance doesn't discriminate, right? Uh, ignorance does not discriminate. And so we now start lining up with a group of people that we're going to agree with. And and then you have this this trickle down effect of how people begin to look at each other. I had somebody 
asked me not too long ago, do I ever see the world changing for the good again? And my answer was, first, you got to get rid of hate. Their response back to me was, you know, that's not ever going anywhere. My response was, then we're never going to get to that place where we can get to that could be prosperous for all of us. Until, if you're spiritual, we get to heaven. So I want to get back to why I I watched this movie, Philadelphia. If you watched the movie, if you've seen the movie, even towards the end, the people or some of the attorneys who fired, I think the character name was Andrew Becky, even had compassion on him in the courtroom the day that he fell and could not come back to court. He was, he was dying. Now, what I'm saying to us is it should not take for you and I to get hurt, for you to have compassion for me and maybe somehow eliminate the hate and the mis- the mistrust and the misunderstanding that you have for me. It shouldn't take that. But history, <laughs> history, unfortunately, tells a story that change usually does not come unless it's at the expense of a group or a race of people losing their life, losing their dignity, losing their standing in the world. And why is that so? Because when you start a war, when you start a system of hate, it's hard to get rid of it. What's your example of that, Ron? What's your true example of that? When I was growing up, I used to see young girls my age, I hope I can make this point make some sense, that were having babies at 15, 14, 15, 16 years old. Now, when I was growing up, and we're talking about I was born in the 60s, that that was kind of, it didn't fly, right? And that was a time when if somebody's child became pregnant, there was a good possibility that child was going to be sent upstate or somewhere else to live because that family was embarrassed and didn't want nobody to know about it. Or that child could be possibly taken and raised by an aunt or somebody in another state. It was all covered up and hidden. But as the generations continued to grow, there became an acceptance 
or it became the norm for a young girl who was 14 or 15 or 16 years old to get pregnant. And it's not much of a conversation now. Now, how does that tie in with hate? It doesn't. It ties in with acceptance in life, even if it's not right and it should never be the norm. If a 14-year-old is pregnant, that's going to that's going to make it more difficult for her or him if if that if the if that the the recipient or the father who's hopefully not much older is there too it's going to make it difficult for them to move forward with having any desire or 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 any hope of having a successful life so I, I, I use that because hate has now become the norm. See how easy it is for something. If, if it keep happening, his, his, history tells us if you allow it to keep happening over and over and over and over again, it becomes the norm. I know that sometimes people always say to me, how, well, what's the remedy, Ron? What, how do we change it? How do we try to eliminate some of the hate? How do we try to bring more love into situations and more love into the lifestyles that we lead? The one hardest thing that we would have to do, the one hardest thing that we would have to do to start to eliminate so much hate and misunderstanding. And I can even throw this in misrepresentation. You have to first be honest with yourself and admit that you're not honest about who you are. And there's your first roadblock right there. If you don't have some some prejudice, some hate, some superiority complex in you that you're not willing to give up, then there's there that's it. There's the wall right there. And for and if you've been a part of a group or a family for generation after generation after generation, all you know is how to hate. All you know is, is how to put down. All you know is, is that you're superior than any other race of people. That's all you know. It's going to be even harder. You can still change, but it's going to be harder for you to change. And, and guess who has most of the power in this world? It's going to be harder to change. But you can do it. And for this world to be more prosperous than it ever could be. And and let me tell you why we have to figure this thing out. You have to stop looking at yourself. You know, our politicians, the people that we elect to go to Washington, D.C. and work on our behalf. In my area is Lindsey Graham. Tim Scott, 
The question that I would love to ask those two gentlemen is that forget about you all for a minute. What about the young people that's five to 15 years old? What are you doing to make sure that they don't have hate like you have right now? That they don't think they're superior like your group of people think they are now. That they don't think that they're above other people like you all think you are now. That it's okay if you leave politics, you can still be successful like you all don't think that now. See, there's another wall right there. Because, and and that's not just in politics. I'm going to say this because I got to be honest. There are churches that have pastors who have been pastoring for 40 and 50 years, who've done tremendous jobs for their congregation, for their church, for their community. But there comes a point in time when it's time to pass the baton on. And some won't let go. And once that happens, that becomes the norm too. The second way to get rid of hate is that you need to ask yourself, why do you love you? And how does loving you line up with you loving God? And how does you loving you and you lining up loving God Why is it hard for you to love individuals, whether they're black, red, purple, or brown? Because, again, if you love somebody, you treat them a certain way. The third and final thing that we would have to do, in my opinion, to get rid of hate is that you got to be willing to give up something. I don't know what that is. That's between you, yourself, and God. But you got to be willing to give up something. It could be your pride. It could be your hate. It could be something you've stolen from somebody or some group of people for centuries. And you, you got to be willing to give up something significant. It could be knowledge. It could be love. Oh, yes, we can we can still turn all this around. Oh, yes, we can still get hate out of here forever. Or we can get a lot of it out of here. I, I believe, unfortunately, because we live on this earth, that some things are going to be here forever. But I guess my point is we don't have to let it control us. And right now, in this time, in this period, we are allowing hate, misinformation, and misrepresentation control us. And we need to get this kind of attitude right now. Enough is enough. God bless you. May heaven smile on you. Oh, yeah. Peace.